The right support can change the trajectory of your life. Southern Live Oak Wellness makes taking that first step possible. If you have concerns with your mental health, contact our 24-hour support team at slowhelp.com. That's slowhelp, S-L-O-W-H-E-L-P.com. Make mental health a priority. Take this out of the book. No, I'm not yeah, putting any of this. Cut this. None out. of this is making it. Anyway, it's Matt's day. It's Matt's day. It's Matt's day. Aww. Hey, producer Bat. Hey. You've been wanting to do this one for a long time. Well, my original intention was I was going to rewatch the series and then pick my favorite episode. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that this is one of those shows that will not make any sense if you just jump in mid midstream because, like, they even talk about on the commentary track. They're like, this show failed because like, if you didn't see this first episode and you just like flipped it on, you'd have no clue what the fuck was happening throughout the whole show. I felt that way with the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did it last? Two, two seasons. seasons. It lasted two seasons. So the creator of this show was Brian Fuller, who we've talked about on the show before because after this, he did Pushing Daisies. Um, he's done Hannibal. And he's done Wonderfalls. Uh, his shows all infamously don't last very long. This was his first showrunner, like where he created the idea he was running the show. And he ended up leaving after the fourth episode because he was just having a very rough time with Showtime. Uh, so much so that like one of the actors left in solidarity along with him when he quit the show. Which one? The girl, Betty. The, the curly hair? Yeah. I love her. I know. Her presence is definitely missed throughout the rest of the show. The show is good. But there is a very noticeable change in quality. And like one of the big things is like early on in this episode, there is a hint. You know, Georgia says that her dad is cheating on her mom. Yeah. And then it's heavily implied that it's a male student. And Showtime got cold feet about that. Yeah. I mean, it was blatantly gave just from this. Throughout the rest of the series, it's a female student. That was like one of the breaking points for Brian Fuller was he was like, I have a vision for this show and you're denying this vision so I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Hate that. Yeah. So how did you guys like it? So I liked it. I, I hate to say this because you were like I will be shocked if you don't binge the whole series. Yeah. I'm not going to binge the whole series. <laughs> oh. And I hate to say that because in a in a perfect world where I had all the time in the world and not one million shows on my list. Yeah. And by the way this is dead like me. I don't know if we said yeah, it. Did we say that? I said it like early and then we started saying things that we were like cut that out yeah. i was like dead like me or something stupid anyway dead like me on amazon the pilot yep originally showtime yeah i really like it it's i mean it's exactly the premise of a show that i would watch i think it's because i'm watching buffy right now and i can noticeably tell i'm like this is so old like i need it to get a little bit closer to the century <laughs> buffy, you are such a baby i know i'm just like i'm like that where i'm like i can visibly and and Dead Like Me is much better quality than Buffy season one. But I just think it's like, seems outdated a little bit. I think Dead Like Me was 
not in the last 10 years, but maybe the last 15 years. Well, it's not that old. I think it's like 2005 or something. It was 2003 to 2004. So, yeah. yeah. What was the show? So, it was senior I was year. Of, I was a senior in high school. <laughs> About so. the murder. Dexter? No. About, the, oh, Twin Peaks. Did you watch that? No, but oh. I'm going. That one I will watch. Because that one's old. Yeah. I'm surprised I've never heard of this show besides you saying it a lot. Yeah. yeah I've never heard of it either. I didn't even know he said it a lot. Yeah. No, yeah, I've, he does. He I am a, a big fan of this show. Like, yeah. I've binged this show maybe six or seven times. Wow. I just think it's so smart. It's so well written. And there's always, like, new things that I catch. Like, watching it this time, it was the first time that I noticed that George's mom's name is a play on words. Because her name is Joy, but her last name is Lass. So it's like Joyless because mm. she's such a miserable character. Yeah. Mm. It's like live more because yeah. she's <laughs> undead. Yeah. I zombie reference. Mm. I really, really have always enjoyed this show. And I mean, we'll get to it at the end. But I think Rube's speech at the very end about what happens at the end of the episode is like one of the most powerful speeches about death that I've ever heard. But yeah, I just think that this show is so unique. It's so different. It's, I think that Brian Fuller, if you've watched any of his other shows, like Julie's watched the first episode of of Pushing Daisies, like he has a brain that works so differently than I think a lot of other showrunners. Yep. Agreed. I actually wish I continued watching Pushing Daisies. I should add that you to still my can. list. Yeah, no, I mean, I absolutely yeah. still can. <laughs> Before we get into the full episode, so Matt confirmed yesterday that he cried watching this episode five times. And I was texting Kathleen on the side, guessing the times that you cried. Okay, so I have them when, written down. So when you go through your your whole notes that you want to go through, do not tell us when you cried. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to guess. No, the- why don't you just raise your hand when he says the part? Okay. So oh, be- that works. Because too. he's going to want to talk about why he cried. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, that's fair. He is. Not, not always. Some of them, I just think the performances are so real. I mean, the whole show is about death. And they're not as heavy as this one. The show is very, very funny. The pilot doesn't capture as much of the comedy as I think it could. But one of the things that I love early on, it shows Georgia, who Georgia is like weirdly one of my favorite TV show characters of all time. Mm -hmm. Like I, I like her so much. And I like that early on they establish her mission, which is that she was like, I've learned that if you don't like things and you can't be as disappointed. So she's just like this numb, monotone shell of a person. Like she actively goes out of her way to not be invested in stuff. And what I love about this show is as you watch it, she kind of learns that the thing she's best at is being a Grim Reaper. Like she's very good at it. Mm-hmm. One of the hints, even in this episode, is like I think they call them the not the groundlings, um, gravelings, gravelings, the gravelings. She can look at them dead on and see them. Yeah. But when she asks Rube about, it, he's like, "Oh, you might see them out of the corner of your eye." So she's more skilled than her own boss at a certain aspect of the job from day one. Yeah. And like that's kind of cool. Is like watching that growth throughout the series, but. Another thing that they hint at early on in the show is she sees that whenever someone's dead, they rob them because they don't get paid for being a Grim Reaper unless they want to get a job. So she gets a job at the temp agency as her big blue eyes, as her personal assistant. So like all of the people from that happy time temp agency in the beginning of the episode are like series regulars throughout the rest of the show. That's why they have that weird shot of just the secretary staring at her awkwardly. Yeah. I was going to say, because they spent a lot of time in that temp agency for them to not matter. So that yeah. makes sense. And, and okay, so this was like an hour and 13 minutes pilot with 
like commercials on Amazon Prime, whatever it is. Did you actually have commercials? Like mini mine just did like a sp- spinny thing and then it would start. Oh, mine had like sixty second uh, commercials. But normally it's like an, a forty two minute yeah forty two minute hour show yeah okay. Hmm. And this was like before this was like before Game of Thrones where like if they had an hour they filled the full hour. This is when cable treated it the same as normal TV where it's like okay it's going to be at most you maybe have a fifty minute episode here and there but it's usually forty two to forty five and they do kind of turn into like these fun you know like some of the episodes are like. In this one, we we get the benefit of seeing like people die and immediately kind of move on. But like other episodes is like a character won't move on for like days and they're just stuck with this soul following them around trying to complete their unfinished business before they're ready to pass on. So it's like in the short sell of it, it's just, oh, they're Grim Reapers. They take souls. But in reality, it's more like they are there to prepare people for letting go of life. And it's a lot about like kind of cutting loose from the things that keep you tethered here and like going off to somewhere better. Now, let me ask you, did did they wrap it up or was it just canceled? It was canceled and then they made a very unsatisfactory uh, straight to DVD movie that was supposed to like renew the series, but it was so disliked by all the fans, which is a bummer because the ending, I was like, ooh, I like where this is going. But I was also like, yeah, it's fine. Like, it's a fine ending. But like the two, the first two seasons, the only two seasons are really, really well done. I think it's like maybe 22 episodes total. Hmm. Oh, you're going to binge it. (laughs) You'll knock it out in a weekend. I know. (laughs) She's going to end up binging it. She's fake. Well, the show, you focus on a lot of these characters throughout. So like a big portion of the show actually follows George's sister, Reggie. And how she deals with losing her sister. I'm glad. Yeah. And it turns into like, she just starts stealing toilet seats obsessively because it's what killed her sister. And then they develop into this thing where maybe, maybe Reggie is smart enough to figure out that Georgia is this other person is like a subplot throughout the show of Mm -hmm. like, does Reggie know that she has her sister still with her? And it's, I mean, it dabbles into a lot of heavy stuff, but I think that there's just a lot of really powerful scenes throughout the show. But the first like 15 minutes is just, it's almost like office space. It's just a a miserable character working in a really shitty job. I love the awkwardness of her talking to the one guy where he's like, wait, there was supposed to be another folder here. (laughs) She's like... Folders don't just disappear. She's like, they do if they fall through an elevator shaft. And I really didn't even know if that actually happened or like the way that like they show it. It's like, did she just make up that something fell through the crack or did it actually fall through the crack? And where does stuff go when it falls through? (laughs) It just hits the bottom eventually. But like, what what if you drop something down there? Is it just gone? Oh, it's, no. Yeah, I mean, you could probably get a janitor to like, open up an elevator door on the bottom floor, but I would be terrified to ever walk into an empty elevator shaft. No. It's like in The Magicians when they go into the etheric realm and it's all socks. Yeah. All the missing socks, the, the mismatched <laughs> socks go to one place. I thought Georgia was was broody and charming. I was like, okay. It took me a few minutes and then I decided. I said, okay, I like her. And I IMDb'd her. She doesn't do much No, after. she retired, I think, after 2013. Yeah, one thing I couldn't decide before I then read the description of the show and she ends up saying it, but I I was like, how old is she supposed to be? 
Yeah. She's one of those people who it looks like you could have pitched me 12 yep. and you could have pitched me 26 and I would have been like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 18 works for me. She appears in, so so Brian Fuller has like, they refer to it as like the Fuller verse. All of his shows that he's written. So this takes place in the same place like in the same world as Pushing Daisies. And there's like little hints to it. Like the place where she's getting interviewed is called Happy Time Temp Agency. And in an episode of Pushing Daisies, the one character has to go undercover at Happy Time Temp Agency. So it's like little stuff like that. Yep. But in Hannibal, which he wrote, which was her last acting performance, she plays a character in an insane asylum named Georgia, who's convinced that she's dead and keeps killing people because she thinks she's a grim raper. Whoa! (laughs) I kind of love when that happens. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah, like that. I was like, that's so, and that's like twenty years after the show aired, almost. Like it's like that's so fucking cool. That suggests that this whole show is like in her head. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's really cool. Now she's definitely watching it. Well, well, Hannibal's been on my list for a long time. Yeah, I hear that one is really good. I think, and I've said this to you before. If you can get past the the kind of cheesy CGI of Brian Fuller shows. I think Brian Fuller is like just your type of showrunner. Like mm-hmm. he's just very about framing shots and like making things really pretty. Like I think the scene where Georgia gets hit by the toilet seat and there's this huge explosion, which is like crazy to th- like, that's like a movie level explosion mm-hmm. when that toilet seat hits her. But it's such a well, I think it's like the only word I can think of is like choreographed. It's such a well choreographed scene of her going through like the stages of her death and like all of these different Grim Reapers coming out and like there's these extras running all over the place during the commotion and like they can see two of the characters but they can't see her and it's just so well constructed for you to like see all of this chaos but then it's all about the dialogue that's happening there. Yeah, if I can get over the CGI of sending Revenants to hell in Winona Earp, I can get over any CGI <laughs> in the whole world because that is fucking brutal. There's a lot, of, before we get into it, we'll talk about it more when we do. There's a lot of cool concepts just in general in this. Like specifically, I mean, the soul is probably the best one of all of it. Like y- your soul will expire was yeah. probably my favorite. But there's a, once we get through it, there are a lot of cool just like things to really make you fucking think in this episode, which is cool. Maybe I will watch it. I feel like you will. They even address it a little bit in the dialogue, but I like that the show actively tries to stay away from any religious aspect of it. Like even she's like, so is there a God? It just ends on like, well, what do you think? And then that's the end. You never bring up the conversation again from that point. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, they don't introduce it in here. I don't think, I don't remember them introducing it in this. But Rube, who's kind of like the head of all the Grim Reapers, every morning they meet in the same waffle shop. So all of the people in the waffle shop become characters. Like the waitress is a main character. The chef is a main character because Rube loves the chef because he's so good at cooking his bacon and eggs. But they meet every morning and Rube just has a stack of post-it notes and no one knows where they come from. But he's just like, here's the people that you have to kill today. And he just gives them all these post-it notes. And that's like their assignments for the day. And then they like go off and like do their normal lives. But they have to be there to claim the souls at the specific times based on the post-it note. Yeah, I liked in the beginning when Georgia's pretty much like, and a post-it note? Like, that's fucking rude and like, whatever. (laughs) And then later you see Mandy Rube, whatever, writing on the post-it note. And I was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Like, it is so... I like Perky Meter Girl because yeah. she's just like savage and is like whatever, dude. Like a fucking Perky Meter person would be. So I listened to the commentary track. I watched this once 
as itself. And then I watched it a second time with the commentary track. And she's so funny on the commentary track for this because she's like, I don't understand what this show was because I only read the scenes that I was in. And I thought that I was just an extra. Like, I didn't think I was going to be on the rest of the show. That's hilarious. When I first saw that scene and like they don't tell you that she's like a Grim Reaper. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is this cop doing? Just like not giving a fuck that like a piano just fell on top of somebody. Well, and I love that that leads into like later on when she's with Mason as they're doing the bank. Like the whole bank scene is hilarious. To I me. agree with that. Yeah. But when she's like, oh, she's going to slip on a banana. Someone's going to slip on a banana peel and die. He's like, that seems a little weird. And she's like, I just watched them drop a piano on somebody's head. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're trying to like stray away from cliches here or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. I think Mandy Patinkin think he's, thinks he's better than everybody else. Yeah. I used to love Mandy Patinkin because I'm such a Criminal Minds fan, but he left Criminal Minds in such like a bad way. Do you know that story? He's got a bad rep a little bit as an actor, which is a shame because it's like he's Inigo Montoya from Princess Bride. Like he's all of these great characters. Yeah. And he, I will say that one of the biggest issues with the movie is that he didn't want to come back for the movie. And like his presence is very much noticeably missing they were talking about that on the commentary too where she said like reading the script i thought that the character was a sarcastic asshole but there's something about the way that mandy patinkin says all of his lines that it doesn't come off sarcastic or it almost comes off very fatherly and like protective Mm -hmm. with everything it's i love you know when he he keeps calling her peanut for whatever reason and then like he's at one point he's like i love you but we gotta go or something he's like i love you peanut but you're (laughs) you're cramping my style you're hanging out with mason for a little bit yeah (laughs) Yeah, his his thing on so he was on Criminal Minds for the first two seasons, but he was the main character, like the guy for whatever the the unit, and so he left. But basically, he was like, "It's disgusting and brutal, and the Criminal Minds should be stopped. Like, why are we putting this on film? Like, why are we doing this? This is disgusting." <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> it went on for fifteen more seasons. So chill. <laughs> I chill. do kind of agree with him though. <laughs> there's some like scary ass episodes yeah, of Criminal Minds, of course, but there's also so, like, I mean, it's They're scary. I mean, I'm scared of everything. So, well, I, yeah, I'm but not... there's also every horror movie in the book is scary. And yeah, I don't know. true. I mean, no, you're right. A Crown of Minds is the best. It's inspired a lot of people to pursue that career. So murdering. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was solving murders. <laughs> but yes, murdering. And murdering. I do also really enjoy in this show, especially in this first episode, because we all kind of get to be Georgia. Like, I love pilots like this where you're connecting with the main character because she's as new to the information as you are but you get to experience these people who like can just walk into where there was clearly a mob hit and like are completely unfazed by it but like you're kind of like her where when she walks into the apartment for the first time you see all those corpses lined up against the wall dead before she notices them even i was like oh shit yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and then he's just so like oh don't worry about these these corpses are going to be gone this is a professional hit they're going to send a cleaner and they're going to take care of it <laughs> i kept thinking that if like if death wasn't so like of course in this show i'm assuming like the things are going to be like witty and the people they meet are going to be like whatever and there's different divisions you can be in so she's in like the suicide murder or whatever which is probably the worst one to be in i would assume yeah. um i was like this wouldn't be a bad gig like i actually wouldn't <laughs> I mind was, doing this i was gonna have a question to ask both of you which was like if you died but you got to be a grim reaper do you think that that would like soften the blow of dying or make it worse i think it could go either or like at least you're like still kind of living if you're a grim reaper and like you could be nice and reassure these people like it's kind of like a good deed but also at the same time i don't know if i would enjoy watching people die constantly it seems like you get 
used to it. <laughs> yeah, but like I can't. I've seen the movie Hardball a thousand times and still cry when the baby dies. That's true. So I mean, it's its own kind of hell, like purgatory. You're living in this world that you used to live in, but you can't live in it the same way. Yeah. So eventually you'll get there. But like the scene with her mom, I was like, damn. Yeah. Uh, first of all, you're going to give yourself away. That's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> Julie raised her hand because Matt cried there. Um, specifically when she's talking about the doll and whatever it's called, I was like, I hope that's what it's called and not a nickname she had for it because then it's just really it's, giving it away. So I think they changed the name for legal reasons, but it's clearly a statue of the Frankenberry cereal mascot. Yeah. But she calls him Fruity Berry. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, they probably couldn't get the rights to Frankenberry. So okay. they're just like, oh, it's Fruity Berry. The scene where she's talking to her mom doesn't upset me as much as when she asked her mom what was the what was her daughter like she was like she was a pain in the ass yeah but then she goes to that like awesome speech where it's like but she knew more than a lot of other people and she was smarter than she allowed herself to be. like it's like this one of those weird things where it's almost like they talk about like if you could be at your own funeral and hear what people say about you like yeah would you take that chance but that wasn't very like i don't like that i wouldn't i wouldn't accept that speech from my mother i'll tell you that right now oh my god your mom are you kidding if anything ever happened to you your mom wouldn't even be able to speak my mom wouldn't be having a garage sale that's for damn sure she'd be saving everything that is insane literally everything i think she actually probably already saves every single everything ever everything those teeth are gonna go right into the vault i know They're good teeth. Because there's also the awkward, she goes to her own funeral, which is like, really, she watches her own autopsy, which is kind of weird. I kind of would like to attend my own funeral. Sure, of course. Because you want to see like, who goes, who plays like fake ass bitch where they're like sobbing, like, oh, I loved her. And you're just like, I haven't seen you in 15 years. Oh, it's like, it'd be juicy to see. It's just complete narcissism to want to go to your own funeral and everybody thinks about it. It is just fully narcissism. That's it. Mm. I kept thinking, this is dark. Okay, I'm going to say it anyway. In my like really exasperated, dark moments where I'm like, if a stray bullet just fucking hit me in that, you might cut this because you guys are not reacting. No, no, no. I think the same thought a lot. (laughs) Continue. Like, it's like, I don't like if if something insane happened and just chopped my head off right now, I didn't have to like see it come. Going. That would kind of be fabulous because I don't feel like dealing with this right now. Dude, that's like, it's, like oh, I thought you were going to go somewhere else. My my thought process was, so at one point I drove to Pittsburgh to record like seven episodes of One Hit Thunder. And as I was driving home, it started to rain. And there was all these 18 wheelers on the road. And I was starting to get worried. And my worry was... God, if I die, I hope someone salvages that great content that we recorded and still releases it. Yeah. Like, no, I'm like, just like, hit me with a stray bullet. <laughs> Kenny can be like that sometimes too, but his is more like dramatic. Like the one day, I mean, he's been like really congested and it's been like weeks and I'm just like, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Like get some DayQuil, call a doctor, I'm done. I don't, blow your nose. Like I, sure. I don't know. The other night or the other day he was home from work and I was like checking in on him, trying to be like a nice wife, whatever. And he was like, like cold, like I'm, I'm fine. And I was just like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> Close the door. And then yesterday he was like, yeah, that day you came in there. I was just thinking about how I just wanted to die right then and there. And like, I wish that I was dead. Boys are the worst when they're sick. <laughs> Dramatic. But I don't ever have the thought of like, I just well, wish reason- a bullet would come and hit me in the head. <laughs> like, I don't, 
I don't wish it. I, it's more like if it happened, it would be okay in this moment. Like give very me an fleeting. example of a moment where you feel that way. Work. <laughs> like um, general work no. day. No. Because <laughs> you like work. No, I don't. Oh, I Ew. thought you did. <laughs> Who likes work? That's sick. True. That's why I always say I'm like, you never find a job you love. No, it's it's like a jokey thing. Like, I would never joke about fucking suicide, of course. No, of course but, uh, not. But I'm, I'm talking like in this moment, I'm, I'm watching the show. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, she gets whomped by a toilet seat and explodes on impact. But she barely sees it coming. She turns around, looks up and is like, ah, fuck and gets obliterated. And I was like, not a bad way to go. Like, honestly, if you're going to choose the way to go, getting just fucking decapitated by accident when you're not paying attention and if you're like a little stressed out. Yeah, moment, it's, it's just better. Take the it's, away. it's better than like dying for months in like a hospital yeah, bed. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. I mean, I always said that if when I when my time comes, I hope it's nice and quick and painless because I'm a baby. I can't even get a shot. Also, like. She didn't, I mean, I guess if you're panicked, you just stand there, but she had plenty of time to move. Well, I don't think she realized what it was at first. I thought this whole time it was a comet until you guys started saying toilet seat. Yeah, they show you the toilet seat breaking (laughs) apart in the end. Yeah, yeah. they say it. And then they keep referring to it as toilet girl throughout the rest of the Mm -hmm. series. Like she just carries that for the rest of her life is that she Mm -hmm. died by a toilet. One of the things that (laughs) stuck out of me when I was watching it this time is, you know, the, the guardian angel or the guardian angel, the grim reaper takes her soul. And then he immediately disappears and they say, you never know when your last one is until mm. the second you take the soul and then you kind of know that it's your last one. And they cut to him and he's got like this weird look of like excitement and sadness on his face before he just like blinks out of existence. But they say like, yeah, we try the really messy ones. We try to like take the soul before it happens so that there's no pain. And then the piano falls on the girl and Roxy doesn't collect the soul until after it happens. And even Rube's like, it's classless. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those things that I wrote down to be like, I like that, that piece of it too. Yeah. Well, and I, there's good continuity so much so that like there's jokes that I didn't totally understand until recently, like, because so much of the dialogue is like rapid fire where like she lists off the things that Joy hates and it's like the word moist. That word sucks. But then one of the other ones is like, she's got a fear of balloons and that, her saying that when I was watching it this time was the first time I understood why she freaks out when the person walks into the funeral with the, the s- with the balloons. And she's like, get those the fuck out of here. Like, I actually second the balloon fear. Like if someone's <laughs> holding a balloon, like pushing it like they're going to pop it, mm. it stresses me the fuck out. I think it's the scare of the pop. Yeah. yeah, that I don't want. I wouldn't necessarily say like if someone walks in with balloons, I'm like get out. <laughs> but yeah. the, when people try to like pretend to pop balloons, I don't like that. Just don't do it. Suck the helium, talk funny, and that's it. <laughs> I'm gonna mention three of the cries because they've no, come wait. up a couple times oh, and you've wait. never acknowledged them. <laughs> Hold on, can I read what I said? Yeah, read, first? read what you thought. Because I also like almost forgot we were playing <laughs> when little, little sisters alone at the funeral. Yes, but that's the second one. The ending with the little girl? Close. I'll explain the scene that specifically upset or me. Or the crash? No. Oh, the ending. No, it was It was specifically <laughs> it's specifically when she sits down next to the little girl and she's trying to get to know the little girl better. And she's just like, do you like going to amusement parks? And the girl's just so cute. And you know she that she's so going to die. Girl. You're just like, oh, this is so... T-. Like, they do a great job of putting you in like all of her emotional distress in that scene because you are just as equally like... 
Like, I love that when she first sees the one woman, she's like, I just started to fantasize about how much of a bitch I hope this person was. And then she turns around and it's the little girl and you're like, oh. Yeah, there's something that, I mean, I I hate death in movies anyway, but it's like inevitable. But little kids dying, you just hate to see you it. You hate to you see hate it. You hate to see it. But that shows that I got three out of five. So You did get three out of five. I would say the other two an a on my- was Georgia going through the stages of grief after she died. And there's the one part where she's just like, I'm just 18 years old. You cried at that? I cried when she's like, it's not fair. Like, can't you just take someone else? Like, she's like pleading with them. And I just was like, oh, God, I <laughs> think I would do the same thing. That's I- because you love her. I do. Oh, I love Georgia. Like, we wouldn't cry there because we don't know her yet at that point. We're yeah. like- we just yeah. met her at that point. Yeah. 20 minutes in. So that makes sense for you. Fair enough. And I think that that carries over at the end when Rube has to convince her to collect that little girl's soul. And she says she's just a child. And you can kind of tell in the way that she says it, she's still talking about herself in that moment, too. Like, she still feels like this is so fucking unfair. Yeah. I don't know. I think that it's just, I think it's legitimately one of the best pilots ever written like I just think it's so smart you know I've talked about this on other shows before because I said this about Scrubs as well but like it's rare that you watch a pilot where it is so clearly fully fleshed out like what the show is and who the characters are and this just feels like every character they know exactly who that character is and as someone who watched both seasons no one goes through like a weird change mid-season where you're just like oh I guess they finally like they knew who these characters were from the jump, you get a little teary-eyed at like what is arguably the saddest version of K Sarah Sarah that has like ever been recorded yep. by Pink Martini. Like that cover is just I literally have my note is this haunting version of K Sarah Sarah. <laughs> oh my god, it's so sad. Yeah. One of the things uh in my continue efforts to like convince Kathleen that she needs to watch the show <laughs> is that throughout the series they do flashbacks to show you how all of the other Grim Reapers died to become Ooh. Grim Reapers, which is really cool. But when they mentioned earlier that, like, you never know when the last one is, you just do, like, you just kind of blip out. That became really useful, like, when the actress who played Betty leave. Like, it was a it was a preset rule that if an actor wanted to leave, it was very easy to just write them off. Like, it was just like, oh, they collected their last soul and boop, they're gone. When I was with that rule, it makes it like Mandy Patinkin's character could be from, like, the 14 fucking hundreds for all yeah. we know. Because you never know how many, like, your quota. Like, they could have really played with it. How, just tell me, how early do they go? So... Betty is from, I think she was born in like 1870 something. Mm. Um, Mason is the youngest death besides George. I think he died in like the late 70s or early 80s. Rube is the only one that they never give you a full backstory on. Um, he's haunted by his past. So they'll show you flashbacks and you can kind of piece it together. But you you get strong implications that he was not a very good person. I have a definitive thing. If, if Mason... And Georgia kiss at any point. I will watch this whole series. Oh, I don't think you're going to watch the series. Damn. <laughs> Mason's the young guy, they, right? Yeah, they play that tension. They play the sexual tension a whole lot. But they do dab into like Grim Reapers date humans. And they they fuck. <laughs> like, there's, Damn. Like, okay. Gets, That's interesting. It gets a little weird because then they have to like live that double life behind their partner's back. I mean, it turns into a weird thing with Georgia when she's working at the temp agency because like if she has to work nine to five, but someone's soul needs to be collected at two, she always has to come up with an excuse to like not be at work so mm. she can be where she needs to be to like collect the soul. And like, they're very unforgiving about like, 
your day job, like whatever, your day job's the front. This is your real job. You have to do your real job. Just like Supergirl. Yeah. Supergirl is at a reporter job and so someone needs fucking Supergirl. She's got to make an excuse and go su- be Supergirl. Mm. One of the other things that made me cry, and let me stress, when I say cry, I mean, and Julie knows what I'm talking about, one of these <gasps> like noises and like a single tear comes down, the like, I'm holding the floodgates in noise. Um, but when her mom notices her putting the word moist on the fridge after the funeral, that got me. Yeah, that one. That one's a little like in your face, I think, because it's like, yeah, that's a ghost. Yeah, that's straight up a go- It showed the S moving. But how did she do that when? Oh, because she was invisible still at that point. She was still invisible at that point. But it was also it's another one of those things that I think hints to the fact that she is better at this than she's ever been. Because he says you can't interact with things, Mm -hmm. but she's still able to figure out a way to move things, even when like, as far as they all know, no one can do that. Mm. (laughs) Totally. Like, I think that it does this really cool job of like, in little ways, hinting that she is extraordinary. And like, I mean, the last line for me, death is just a wake up call like that. Like, I think that that is like the thesis of the entire show. Like, it took her dying for her to figure out what she was good at and how to like live a healthy life. It's a very heavy show while still being funny because she that's not the last time she interacts with her mom. But like like you said, the mom you're like the mom's going to catch her. Like the mom becomes very familiar with her like earth form. The mom hates the earth form. Like the mom thinks of the earth form as like a junkie that's trying to like rob the house. Mm. Well, that's why like when when Georgia first looks at her new face or her glamour in the store window or whatever, she's like, I look like a fucking junkie. I'm like, damn, that actress exists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and that was so that was another thing that when Brian Fuller left uh, Showtime thought wasn't necessary was that they just fired the actors who played like the earth versions of them like i think that that's another thing it kind of becomes confusing because that helps you like not think about it too much like when she's talking with people who knew her when she was alive but they add in this extra actress throughout it's like a nice reminder of like oh this is they don't see her they they see yeah like yeah but when you like take that away for 22 episodes you start to forget that Mm -hmm. (laughs) as you're watching you're just like why aren't they noticing that this girl looks suspiciously like their dead daughter right they spent a month filming the pilot but all of the other episodes they only were given seven days per episode to shoot so it was like they really were given like full reign to do whatever it is that they wanted to do and i think that again i think it was money well spent i think that they like time and money really well spent because they really build out this world they build out the universe they build out the rules in most cases i'd be like oh i don't know if this needed to be an hour and 15 minutes but at the same time i'm like i don't know what i would have cut because it really does like doesn't waste any of that time like it is like laying out plot and building into like what the rest of the show is going to be very heavy in this episode Mm mm-hmm my favorite line was, do your nipples get hard when you sneeze? <laughs> I loved that. I was like, that's so stupid and good. Like, who? Like that's such, that line doesn't seem like it fit until they were at that. I really liked that scene at the getting breakfast or whatever. And he's like, banana bonanza for everybody. <laughs> and then the, the parking meter lady's like, he said banana bonanza. <laughs> like he, like he, that's what we're getting. Um, but I liked, I liked that squad. I liked that 
like everyone jumped in and Mandy's like, my nipples are always hard. I don't know why. <laughs> like it, that, that was a good scene that that made me go, okay, moving forward, at least she's got her team. Yeah. I mean, I really like the character of Betty in general and it like kind of still bums me out that she's not on the show anymore mm-hmm. after, after like four episodes. But like even something as simple as her like using the fork to apply her lipstick, like little things like that are just so... I love how unique each character is. None of the characters feel like they are carbon copies of the same characters they all feel like uniquely fleshed out characters um i do want to talk a little bit more about the the bank robbery scene because i think that bank robbery scene is just like perfection like setting up all the different people with b names and all of a sudden there's two different gunmen there and they're like how many post-it notes did we have (laughs) that poor baby oh my god just sitting there (laughs) during all the insanity the the crazy like bullet shot bouncing all over the place before it blows up the top floor of the building like it is chaos i like the scene where they look at each other and get down on the ground because they're like well you know this really doesn't matter like we can't die again we're already dead but i guess we'll play along (laughs) like if they get down the people are just like fucking upstairs in the the, um in the whatever like like, besides the two the gun woman the gun man the gun woman has a baby that there's fucking upstairs. This guy's got his neck snapped in the thing, like the banana peel. It's a good scene. It is. And I just like, I like the editing in the show. Like, like I think that we take advantage now of how much shows are edited like this. Like it's very family guy esque at times, but this was before family guy, like in the way that like she finds the shoe and then it cuts to like, the Wheel of Fortune thing that says like your D blank A D and she's like, I'd like to solve the puzzle, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like little stuff like that. Or even just when she's being interviewed for the job and she like everything just moves so quickly. So she's like, I have some experience. She's like, Oh, I see you have uh, experience working in a kitchen. And then it like cuts to this close up of her miserably like flipping a burger and it quickly zooms out to like a brain dead dude staring at like the menu. Like just like everything keeps cutting and moving and like the lighting is really weird in scenes. Like I just think that from like a behind the scenes visual standpoint, it is so unique. And then, you know, again, to bring it back to Pushing Daisies, Pushing Daisies is almost like the total opposite where it's like, like Dead Like Me has all of these vivid darks. Like it's like vivid blues and like vivid purples. Like I just think it really leans on like the dark palette. And then you watch like, pushing daisies and everything is like the bluest sky that you've ever seen and like the greenest tree you have ever seen in your life oh that grass in the first episode (laughs) you're like oh my god i've never seen grass look so green so green um and i I think that that's what i like about like brian fuller just like lives in like in paintings and that's i mean when you eventually watch hannibal like the thing that people talk about is like hannibal looks like paintings like i the thing that hooked me was someone posted a picture of corpses like scenes of when they found corpses in Hannibal and it's like like you look at it and you're like is that like a painting and it's like no that's an actual practical effect that they made for a single shot of this show when they just flash to a corpse real fast and you're just like that's fucking insane that they yeah. put that much time into it that's interesting I'm, I'm going back to the family guy comment is interesting I've never thought about it like that like you're saying something and then they cut to something really quickly it's so easy to do animate it but every every little bit you you pull away from is like another set you have to yeah you have to rise and then that became like the main thing like that was you know that dead like me did it for the first couple episodes and then that kind of went away but like 
Scrubs and How I Met Your Mother lean on that real hard. Mm-hmm. Like Scrubs and How I Met Your Mother oh are like yeah. um, like sitcoms where literally it's like how much they probably spend an entire day just to get this 30 second joke in mm-hmm. when you factor in like, oh, they made them all look like Star Star Wars characters. So they had to like sit, go and get in makeup and they had to build a whole set that looked like the inside of a spaceship and they had to like yeah. do this, that and the other thing for two lines of dialogue. <laughs> like, that's-, that's how I felt about Jane and that that like magical realism yeah. that they did, like all the like fucking wrestling scenes and the, and the costumes they would use for certain things. That's why I started talking to you about Dead Like Me because mm-hmm. I think that this falls in that that same magical not as realistic but it falls into that magical vibe that i think jane the virgin definitely is uh pseudo influence because like brian fuller is a very well respected tv writer like he is i think if you ask most like showrunners who's like their favorite showrunner he's he's kind of one of those guys he was never mainstream but he's like the mainstream guy's favorite Per, like you always talk about like your favorite band's favorite band sure like that's brian fuller for television like he is like your favorite tv show producer's favorite tv show producer but is he a nice guy he seems great cool and, i mean that's what i care about i mean if he storms <laughs> off the set and one of the actresses is like i'm going with him that's usually a good sign true okay so the last thing i wanted to do was the speech that rube gives you almost feel like he intentionally gave her something that he knew that she was going to struggle with so that he could have this speech with her. But I, I think about this speech all the time as he says, she goes, it's just cruel she's a little girl. And he goes, it is cruel. It's cruel that she's never going to know what life is really like. And it's cruel that she's going to miss out on so much love and pain and beauty. And that's sad for literally everyone else in the world except for her because she's not going to give a rat's ass. She's going to be doing something different. I was like, that is such a good speech about death. And it's it's true that death affects the living more than it affects the dead mm-hmm. yep, 100% absolutely. of the time. And like, you know, when she takes that little girl's soul off and she sees the amusement park, like little girl doesn't care about anything about except going to that amusement park. Yeah, that's a theme in a lot. Like death is easy. It's the living. That's that's the hard part. Yeah. Can Grim Reapers drink? I'll bring us back. Yeah. Circle uh, yeah. Back. I'm pretty sure they can do whatever they want. Like, he well, said, do they get drunk? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I I do love that one scene where he's explaining to her the difference between being dead and being undead. And he's like, you, no one can see you. They can see me. And that means that I get to enjoy this delicious key lime pie. (laughs) He's like, certain privileges. (laughs) In this type of pilot, you need the rules. And I like the way they did it. It wasn't so like in your face. It was like, oh, cool. Every little bit of information they gave you, I'm like, that was one of my questions. I love how they surprise her that she has a body suddenly. Like she's just sitting at the diner and the waitress is asking her what she wants. And she's like, also, my thought was, if I was undead, I would eat everything. <laughs> well, that's, that's why I love Rube's order. It's like just like pancakes with bacon and like a side of steak. Like yeah. it's like who cares? Sometimes yeah. breakfast just sounds so good to me. Like you totally. just saying that, I'm like, give me a fucking stack right now <laughs> with all the bacon. When you go out to eat, do you order pancakes? So it really depends on my mood. Sometimes I'm like, a, I'll take two dippy eggs with some like with some potatoes on the side. <laughs> sure, <laughs> double bacon, like yeah. maybe some pork roll, depending on like what always pl- pork roll. It depends what place it is. Sometimes it's like too thick, and I'm like, Ugh. but sometimes I'll go like, oh, I'll have the sausage biscuits and gravy. Oh, never that. 
Have you ever for had me. it? No. So you're yeah. being just judgy. But don't fix what ain't broke. No, I'm not being judgy. I'm just saying for me, I, I, see, I always I'm, do the regular two eggs, a oh. meat, and yeah, potatoes. No, I was going to say, whatever whatever their special is, like if I can get some pancakes with some eggs and a meat, like, oh, yeah, I am. Oh, you're like a big bopper special. Oh, what, big, is, that, is that Memories, the big that's bopper? Memories Girl was the big bopper. That doesn't Shout even exist anymore. Shout out to Memories Girl. I'm your <laughs> biggest fucking fan. <laughs> Well, oh, I was, I the mean, best French onion soup. I was like Mr. Tom Jones for like college. You know what I mean? Like I would go and just get like, because that was back when it was like $2.59. Oh, and oh my God, it was two pancakes, two eggs, two sausage, two bacon, toast, and the juice and coffee for like $2.49. I liked that too. Like I was like, what? It's cheaper. Like I remember my, my roommate used to justify it. He's like, it was cheaper than if I just wanted eggs. If I wanted eggs, it was $3. Um, wait, <laughs> mom, can you come over and tell us what you get when you get breakfast? Come, come on, get on the mic. Oh, Mic her up. Oh, she's slowly. Donna makes her debut. Oh, she's, just, she's nervous. Just walking over. I can cut it if it's My bad. My favorite would be... Is she even talking into the microphone? My favorite would be sausage, biscuits, and gravy <laughs> from the diner. Which diner? Aston Diner. Call it out. Aston, Aston Diner. Diner. Ooh, baby. Me and Kenny actually got taste buds like one morning. We just got pickup and I got waffles. I never get waffles and they were so good. But Kenny got like the like what Matt was saying. It was yeah. like two eggs, pancake, and he ate it all. I was like, holy fucking shit. My thing is if I'm eating carbs with it, which I which I am. Yeah. Like I'm eating carbs. It's like, give me toast if I'm getting dippy eggs, too. <laughs> I, I choose potatoes over waffles and pancakes, although I fucking love it. Yeah. I love it. I love But if waffles. I have to choose, which I do, because, like, just as a human being, you can't have it all of the time. <laughs> I choose <laughs> potatoes, and I get them scrambled because dippy eggs freak me out. Really? Eggs in general aren't, like, my thing. Yeah. Although I, I literally have to tell my niece, when we, like, we're going out and getting lunch tomorrow, but it's actually breakfast. We're, we're going to first watch in Newtown Square and we could go for breakfast but your girl has to work but I said don't <laughs> let me order an egg dish don't let me get something that's mainly eggs I'm always let down omelets let down yeah. everything so is that eggs across the border only if you're going out to order eggs so I eat scrambled eggs like you fine. trust yourself making eggs oh I at trust home. everybody making like scrambled eggs is fine I think I'll always but but I'll tell you when I get the special which is the eggs and the bacon or the pork roll and the toast or whatever there's almost always eggs left like I'll eat a bite or two of the egg and eat the rest of everything else I feel like I only go for as we refer to it dippy eggs I believe it's probably called over easy yes yeah <laughs> It's I mostly because it it's like, well, I'm not just going to eat like plain bread. Like I need like to, yeah. to add something to it. But like if you don't give me that bread, then yeah, throw me some scrambled eggs. Hell yeah. Like Sure. Yeah. I don't know why the eggs is the main part of when you order. Like it's like, oh, the meal is called two eggs and then you get bacon <laughs> all and, and all the good stuff with it. It's yeah. like, well, just don't even give me the fucking eggs. I don't want the eggs. The yeah. eggs are weird. Uh, I, of all the things that this pandemic has robbed me of over the last year, I think me and my friends randomly going to like the diner at 11 at night on a Friday yeah. and just sitting there for two and a half hours bullshitting while we eat greasy breakfast food is one of the things I miss the most. So I, I have like a, a love for breakfast at the beach. So like oh, yeah. I love a good breakfast spot at the beach like when you're on the beach or like a bakery for you know I love donuts. Sure. And beach <laughs> bakeries they just hit different. 
Well, there's something about like the luxury of being away and on vacation yep. and being like, I it's a Tuesday and I can wake up when whenever I want. Whenever. Is it a late breakfast? Is it an early breakfast? Whenever. Like I might as well get an early start. Like let's start this day. And you always go to dinner. Like we always go to dinner when we're sure. on vacation. Always, always. It's we're a just luxury. constantly going to dinner. It's the best. Mm-hmm. Give me a nice vacation this summer. Everyone get vaccinated so I can go on vacation. <laughs> this this is going to be in our eggs egg episode. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Egg episode. <laughs> our egg episode. Egg episode. <laughs> Tune into our egg episode. Tune in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think we can wrap Fucking it up. Yeah, I think eggs, we can wrap yeah. it up. We yeah. need to land the plane. Fucking just, eggs. Yeah. We love eggs. In theory, I love eggs, but it. But on the plate, <laughs> I thought she was gonna bring palette. it back to dead like me. <laughs> no. no, she's still on topic. Um, let's see if I have anything to wrap it up on dead like me, as if this was my episode that I chose. Yeah. Um, dead no. like eggs. <laughs> dead like eggs. This is what I think about when I think about um, the actress who plays George. Does she go to cons and have like very specific people go up to her and be like, "I'm obsessed with dead like me"? I don't. So I was like thinking about this because I was like. What ha- like I I went on like a deep dive yeah, of being like at, girl. Well, no, like I did. I was like, okay, she kind of stopped doing every like, like I just did like a quick Google search mm-hmm. and like she's got no social media. Like I think she just like because dis- sure. the only things I could find clearly weren't actually her accounts. And you know what I mean? Like when you find like a Twitter account, but you're like, this only has like seven thousand followers, and all they do is like retweet people that have nothing to do with this person. Like, I don't think that this is yeah actually an actual Twitter account for mm-hmm. them. So, like, I think they're just off the grid, keeping to themselves. Like, nice. kind of just and like respect to it. Like, I love that. The the correct me if I'm wrong, but Betty yes is from Scream Two yes, and she's like a sorority girl. With Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's why I, I, I was trying, I nailed it and I was like, what the fuck do I know her from? I know it's from something old and then I nailed it and then I searched it. and But I didn't search what her name, I just saw like Scream 2 and I was like, nailed it, bitch. <laughs> I, and I, I didn't double check that I was actually right with who it was, but you know, I've seen it a million times. <laughs> <laughs> so I like her too. But she's a bitch in Scream 2, but that's okay. Yeah. That's not who she is as a person, I don't think. No. Great hair. Very good hair. Good hair. Julie, anything? Nothing. Okay. Matt, that was good. I love always love your passion with the shows you pick. Thank you. We'll you, figure out something. I wish I was on the Scrubs one. I do too. Maybe I wish... if you pick the Scrubs pilot, I'll watch all nine seasons of that. Oh, man. Well, just That's watch eight of them. No. I'm watching all nine seasons of How I Met Your Mother right now, so I think I can do Scrubs. Well... I'm on here's the here's the four. thing, and then we'll end this. The problem with with Scrubs season nine is that it wasn't supposed to be Scrubs season nine. Like they wrapped up the show, and then ABC was like, "Well, we're going to do a spinoff show called Scrubs Interns," and they're like, oh, "Okay, cool." So they shot this spinoff series, and then ABC was like, "We don't think anyone's going to watch Scrubs Interns, so we're just going to release it as Scrubs season nine, even though like none of the original cast is involved in oh. it." Like the ending of season eight is perfect. It is like one of the best series finales ever and then there's just this other scene season that has nothing to do with the show oh okay then one through eight yeah like you don't need that last season okay thanks matt thanks producer bat great pick appreciate you we appreciate and your takes oh thank you and see ya
Hey, everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 